Welcome back to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Marini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. A new letter to Congress from the State Department has caused an uproar, as it suggests that the potential sale of F-16s to Turkey would be in line with U.S. and NATO interests. The letter comes in response to more than 50 members of Congress who urged the Biden administration to reject Ankara's request, citing Turkish President Erdogan's lack of commitment to NATO and his vast human rights abuses. Lena Argiri, the D.C. correspondent for ERT, the Greek public broadcasting company, joins me from the nation's capital with the latest analysis. Lena, welcome back on The Greek Current. Good to be back, Thanos. Lena, is this letter a signal from the Biden administration that it's willing to approve this controversial sale to Turkey? First of all, it is important to note that this was not an official notification of a sale to Congress, as some are reporting, but a response to a letter led by Congressman Pallone and Bilirakis with another 50 members of the House. So far, we have confirmed that state has not notified or even informally discussed such a sale with the relevant committees. Still, in this letter, State Department is certainly leaving the door open to such a sale. Uh, their letter lays out challenges like the S-400s and existing cuts and sanctions, but does not indicate any way for those problems to be resolved. Instead, it hints that the State Department might be willing to overlook those obstacles. I do have to note that today we asked the Department of State what is really happening, and they just said that the United States strongly values its partnership with Turkey, that they have long-standing and deep bilateral defense ties, and Turkey's continued NATO interoperability remains a priority. On the actual questions that we asked of where this possible sale stands, they said, and I quote, Thanos, we refer you to the Turkish government to speak to its defense procurement plans. Easy way to avoid answering Lena, while the letter doesn't give explicit assurances for a sale, it emphasizes that Turkey has paid a quote-unquote significant price as a result of sanctions, and it highlights Ankara's support for and defense ties with Ukraine. How should we read between the lines here? So this is not the first time State Department officials have used this argument, but they have said it behind closed doors. This is the first time they have issued this statement in writing. It also raises the question as to whether State Department has given up on convincing Turkey to get rid of the S-400s. Let's remember there is an easy solution for Turkey, and that is to come into compliance with Katsa. We must note that this letter and the previous one by State in response to Congressman Papa's letter on F-16s failed to address points raised by Congress, including is the administration contemplating a way to work around Katsa by selling to a body that has not been sanctioned yet? This might be legal, but it violates congressional intent. And will upgraded F-16s being located in the same theater with S-400s result in the same risks that F-35s and S-400 co-location presented? It is concerning that these questions haven't been answered yet, Thanos. For every carefully crafted letter from the State Department, Lena, there's been many more letters from Congress openly urging the administration to reject the sale of F-16s to Turkey. Does the mood in Congress still remain the same here? Nothing has changed in Congress, and since the original letters of objection to an F-16 sale were drafted, members of Congress have a new complaint regarding Turkey, and that is Ankara's decision to undermine Western unity by not supporting the sanctions. They have not heard the logical explanation, and most importantly, they haven't seen tangible results from Turkey's diplomatic engagement in the Ukrainian war. Turkey hosted a meeting, yes, that was a success at the early stages of the war, but now what? What have they done lately to deserve the role of the effective mediator who constantly gets credits? Aside from this letter, Lena, this week we also saw the United States announce a new strategic mechanism or working group with Turkey. 
is the State Department, quote-unquote, rewarding Turkey despite, you know, its undermining of NATO and its fence-sitting, as you alluded to, throughout the war in Ukraine? So this strategic mechanism that was announced when Undersecretary Nulat was in Turkey is another indication that there is there is little clarity in this administration regarding Turkey. As many Turkey watchers have already noted, there are existing working groups and they have just become forums in uh, which the two sides air grievances. It is not really clear as to what this mechanism is going to accomplish other than to improve Erdogan's political standing at home. The Department of State announced that there will be a ministerial level meeting within the framework of this strategic mechanism later this year. And today, Mevlut Cavusoglu said that Secretary of State Blinken invited him to Washington for talks on May 18 in an effort to improve their long-strained ties. This is another political gift to the Erdogan government. This letter on the F-16s, Lena, follows the bungled nonsense paper from the administration on the East Med Pipeline, a move that many saw as a win for Turkey. What message do quote-unquote rewards like these send to partners and allies in the East Med like Greece, Cyprus, and Israel? The exact opposite message that it sends to Turkey, that if you are a democratic country and a pillar of stability, as they say, and a responsible NATO member that respects allies, neighbors, and decisions taken collectively, you cannot expect much. Victoria Nulad said that the East Med pipeline is dead. She said that we don't need to wait for 10 years and spend billions of dollars on this stuff. We need to move the gas now and we need to use gas today, she said, as a transition to a greener future. And that is correct. But I just want to remind that this decision had been taken months before the war in Ukraine accelerated these needs that the Undersecretary is describing now. Turkey might see the East Med decision, as you said, as a win, but that doesn't mean a thing, since Turkey always sees things uh, from a different perspective. Lena, thanks for joining us on The Greek Current again. Thank you. Thank you very much. In other news, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed Greece's parliament on Thursday and called on Athens to use its influence in the European Union to help save what he called our shared heritage in the besieged Ukrainian port city of Mariupol. He noted the historic Greek links to cities like Mariupol and mentioned the Filikieteria, an underground organization founded in Odessa that set the foundations for the Greek Revolution in 1821 and the creation of the modern Greek state. Zelensky also thanked Greece for the sanctions it imposed on Russia along with other EU member states. He also addressed Cyprus's legislature on Thursday, calling on Cyprus to close its ports to all Russian ships and to deny privileges to Russian nationals. Finally, Greece will ask the International Criminal Court to investigate alleged war crimes in the Russian-besieged Ukrainian city of Mariupol, Foreign Minister Nikos Dandia said on Thursday. Greece has a specific special interest in Mariupol because of the existence of a Greek community of 100,000 and more people in the city, Dendias told reporters upon arriving at a meeting of NATO foreign ministers in Brussels. Dendias added that he would also urge his colleagues to try their best to help Ukraine protect its historic Black Sea port of Odessa, so Odessa can avoid the fate of Mariupol. When asked how NATO colleagues can help with this, he said by giving Ukraine the adequate means to protect the city. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.